we talked about the gospel changes everything. Uh, we just sang, he's coming back, oh glorious day. See, how does saturating our mind with that understanding impact us? The gospel changes everything when we understand it. Since our former pastor, uh, Al Perkins, announced his stepping down, we have been in transition. Some people thought as soon as we got our new uh, lead pastor, Derek Olson, who we chose, uh, that's the end of transition, but it really marks really the beginning of transition. One of those transitions that has been in process for some time and continues to be in process is I, I would say in the past we were a little bit more pastorally uh, led and we're transitioning to a far more elder-led church. Both are still leading, but the practical implications, how that works itself out really in the ongoing ministry is the transition and work that is going on. And it reminded me in our study of Esther, next week I will be preaching, and in the study of Esther, Mordecai tells Esther, because she was given the place of queen in the palace, you've been given this position for such a a time as this. God placed Esther in that position specifically for such a time as this. Two of our new elders, I believe we could say the same thing. They wouldn't say that self about them, but by faith we can say that I believe God has brought these two elders during this phase of our church life and transition for such a time as this. In light of all this, we need to hear from our elders. We need to let them speak to us. We need to believe that God has brought these elders to us for such a time as this. So let's invite God to speak to us through them. And let's welcome with a hand clap Grant Balstead and Marty Friesen. I want, I want this side. You take that side. All right, Rob. Are we in contact? No turning back, brother. No, All right, since again. we do have sound and, and we've been uh, asked to uh, stand before you today. Uh, by the way, I know that uh, some of you might not have a clue as to who we are. I'm Grant Bowstead, my fellow uh, elder and good brother Marty Friesen to my left, my, my wingman today, will together um, speak more from our heart. Um, this is certainly not a prepared uh, preaching opportunity that we have. Those opportunities may come down the road. Um, you know, after that uh, brilliant start to the, uh, the morning, um, we were worried about us being amateur hour together. Um, I think that's been cleared off the table and we can, we're free. We're free to go. Just kidding there. Just kidding, Ed. <laughs> you didn't think it was going to go this way, did you? Anyway, uh, uh, Pastor Derek is uh, having a, a good uh, time away, um, visiting uh, good friends and, and uh, with his family. And he did approach Marty and I, um, a few weeks ago, to um, come deliver a message today, and and now I'm I'm doubly 
kind of, uh, you know, under a little more pressure, the head elder over there got a piece of paper, and when that, that happens, he's taking notes. I, I don't know if we'll be fired or, or we're going to continue on after this, but uh, I think we'll be good to go. But Derek did ask us to come up with a topic that uh, is, is dear to us, that we could speak truth into you in the form of God stories. And we couldn't think of a uh, better topic than the one that uh, we have before you today talking about Christian communities. And uh, um, that's what brought us together. Um, it's brought us together. And I'm looking out here. It's a little thin today. Um, and uh, that's okay. There's, there's other things going on in Dallas that uh, has drawn a few people away. But uh, um, we're talking about uh, all kinds of Christian communities we are a member of an ABF that is pretty active and uh, it continues to grow. We also are part of a small group that is um, pretty well bonded. You know, it's small, intimate, and we'll be talking about uh, how important that is. But as it says in your bulletin, it's on the uh, first slide, um, it is God's desired way for us to grow in Christ. When we come together um, in any kind of numbers, it could be this setting right here is a great um, community, Christian community. Um, but I can only tell from my personal experience, um, I sat there for a lot of years thinking that was enough, and um, I actually started going backwards at that point. So we have some uh, stories to tell, and uh, we'll uh, share that load a little bit together. Uh, so we aren't going to preach to you. We are going to provide a message about these communities that uh, we're a part of and, and how you can maybe benefit from them as well. So before we get rolling, uh, let's take a, a minute here to, uh, you know, go to the Lord in prayer. Mm. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, um, I'm looking out here at some uh, very familiar faces. Um, I see people that uh, we see virtually every week in a, in a uh, thriving ABF class. I see brothers and sisters that belong to a small group. I even see uh, former students who are probably questioning uh, why this person is up here. But Lord, you, you, uh, you know I'm here. You've put me here and uh, you've given me a voice um, that's cracking at this moment, but uh, we'll probably straighten out in a minute. But um, just uh, be with Marty and I, give us peace in our delivery and uh, strengthen uh, the message that we have to uh, cover today. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, uh, first thing in, uh, in getting rolling here, uh, I think you all have an idea of what we're talking about when we see the word or um, hear the word community. Okay, we live in a wonderful community here of Dallas, groups of people that come together to live and share um, kind of the load in uh, how this community thrives and, and, and goes about its business. A Christian community is so much like any other community, only we have a common bond in Christ. We share life in Christ. That is the kind of community that we're talking about. And uh, we are all, many of you are involved in, in uh, different kinds of communities. 
Some of you are parts of uh, Bible studies that meet fairly regularly, men's groups, women's groups. Um, we attend uh, some kind of uh, Sunday schools, um, numbers, many kinds of Christian communities that we can belong to. Um, my story about how that all evolved, and, and it is about probably given a little bit of a testimony about uh, why we stand here before you, and mine is a road that uh, didn't begin in a Christian home. Um, it was one that, yeah, mom and dad kind of shuffled us off to a church, expected us to, you know, be there, and then they'd pick us up later on. So um, this idea of religion and Christianity didn't uh, develop until later in life. And uh, I was a person, and John can probably testify to this, that when we taught together at Dallas High School, being a, uh, a teacher and a coach, being very confident in who I was and what I was there for, um, I didn't need anybody. I uh, knew what I was going to get accomplished, and, uh, you know, it, it didn't, didn't matter who or what got in the way. I was going to take care of business. Um, then, I, then I got married to a wonderful woman. <laughs> <laughs> she, be, she helped uh, begin the saving process, and we did uh, commit our lives to Christ, but um, because of that arrogance and uh, self-assuredness that I still definitely held close to, um, I didn't need any outside help for getting to know who uh, Jesus was. Um, we started attending church. It wasn't here, it was uh, over in Monmouth, and I sat in a pew and heard sermon after sermon and uh, just went on my way. Uh, whether it sank in or not, it, and probably didn't for very long, um, no need for any other kind of community to, to belong to. Um, so that was my route. And I know that so many of you belong to a variety of different Christian communities, and some of you don't. Some of you could kind of identify with where I once was in terms of thinking that just occupying a chair and looking at the person's head behind or in front of me was going to get, get me through and, and, uh, and I, can, I can work through that. Well, um, I was too intimidated to be truthful, to go to a Sunday school class and sit there and listen to people that certainly knew the scripture better than I did. Um, so that kept me from being there. Um, and I convinced myself that I had better things to do with my time. You know, I was busy coaching. I was busy starting to raise a family. And, and that time was too valuable to me than to spending time in a Bible study or um, a small group. And I operated that way for a long time. But more, more than anything, I feared mercifully the potential if I did get into a small group where I might have to reveal something about who I really was for my deep sinful past. I was not going to go there. I did not want to be part of a small group. And in fact, I know that Judy and I attempted one time to get into a small group. Um, there may have been about 10, 12 people in there and it only took maybe one or two sessions and we didn't return. Mm -hmm. And it took a few years 
later before we, we would ever try again. And, and at that time, as life goes, it's stuck and it's made one of the greatest impacts in, in my life. Mm -hmm. So um, I encourage any of you that might not be involved in any kind of a, a community to um, hear a little bit about um, the benefits, truly, of being in some kind of a Christian community, um, um, especially some kind of a small group type of thing. So Marty, Let's uh, give it to them in terms of <laughs> what, they them. Can, what they can gain or benefit from. Um, yeah, we'll go back and forth on this. Just some things that we've noticed as far as what we've gained out of the whole smaller group face-to-face -face thing. And uh, I just wanted to start with the whole concept of this, what we're witnessing here, as being a body. And I'd read that kind of stuff in the scriptures for a lot of years, you know, we're a, we're a body. Not, not any one of us is the body. We're individually members of a single body. And so, yeah, I read it. I believe it for whatever it is. But as we've got into these small groups, it starts, it starts coming to life. And you're going to hate me. I'm going to use you as an example. <laughs> I, knew, I knew Grant for a long time at a distance. I watched him just endlessly pour his life into people. And his wife, Judy, too. They just, they, that's what they do. And boy, that's most certainly not Nancy and I. And, uh, and I just was like, man, I guess I wish I could be more that way, but I'm not. And as I've got to know Grant and I look into his heart, I just see that is so much something that is wired into him. That's part of his gifting. That's who he is created to be. He's a member of the body that does that very well. And he, he allows people like Nancy and I to come alongside them, and we learn from that. And, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to never be full-blown like you, but, but I'm becoming more that way because I see the value of it. And so that's just one thing that I kind of get from this. Yeah. Um, the other, another um, key component and something that we gain from being a, a member or a part of some type of Christian community um, is certainly accountability. Um, and we have, we have kind of developed that over time with uh, like our ABF that we belong to and the members that are in there that we gain so much from. I mean, um, when someone in our ABF is talking about um, something that's impacted them, how God's impacted their life in, in some way, um, we learn from those experiences that they bring up. And especially when you have five retired pastors in an ABF and the wisdom that each of those individuals bring and you cannot help but learn and uh, hope that you catch something that, that they, they bring out each and every Sunday and uh, the accountability piece has just developed and is beginning to snowball in, in a lot of people's lives and so being a part of a, of a uh, small group or a uh, Christian community does provide accountability. And when I 
finally, after you know, 30 years or whatever, um, there was a um, situation where we were just down to one facilitator for our ABF. Um, so many ABFs have folded here because they were relying on one person to carry the burden and the load to um, work each and every Sunday, and that's, that's a uh, you know, roadmap for fatality right there. But um, it came down to one, and I was approached, and never in my life would I ever stuck my neck out in an area that I felt so weak in mm. to offer 30 or 40 other people some pearls or at least guide them in a direction that they could snatch something. Um, God just worked on my heart, and I actually said yes, and, and it's provided that accountability that um, also kind of um, keeps, you, keeps you going and, and uh, excited. And I know that recently we've added Marty and a couple other guys, uh, one of the young um, leaders of this church said yes when I asked him, and holy cow, it's just provided you know, a whole new value to a group of people that uh, you normally wouldn't have ever had before. So uh, accountability is huge, though, because that is the thing that um, if you're not accountable, you'll fold up the operation pretty quick. I think another thing that is, and my thoughts kind of changed on this this morning when uh, Nancy and I were doing our devotions, and uh, It, it, uh, I, I guess you realize when you're, uh, you, uh, you get in the community and lots of times they gel pretty good. And, uh, it's easy, it's real easy to get lost in the new social group. You've got new friends, you're constantly meeting together, you're, you're building relationship, and man, I mean, really, that's so many of us, that's exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for real relationships and stuff like that, and yet it becomes incredibly easy to forget the relationship, the one, the first, the foremost, and so one of the things that I've learned is just the need when you when you make a, a small group and you intensify your getting to know each other like you do, keep God first and foremost. Make sure, even if it seems um, jerky, we got to pray. We got to give God praise. We got to focus on Him. And that's, it's funny, but in all my times of doing small group, it seems like there's a default away from looking up and just looking across the horizon at your new friends. So I guess I'd just say that as, a, as those who participate, man, it, the new relationships and building those relationships are so key, but, but they're still secondary to the relationship. So make sure that your small group is founded in the key relationship. Okay, the... Another thing that is a kind of a natural extension of being involved in some type of a Christian community of any kind is um, 
serving. Okay, it ultimately comes down to uh, what are you taking away from all the time you spend uh, gaining spiritual knowledge if you're not willing to use what you gain to help your brothers and sisters in times of need. And I know that through both our groups, whether it's in the ABF or a small group, um, the outpouring of love that is shown in the time of crisis and struggle of, of everyday life um, is tremendous. Um, I mean, there's been times of great financial gifting. There's been times of, I know that uh, when Judy, a number of years ago, had a back surgery, I'm not a cook, and mm -hmm. all these meals start showing up at the house, you know, hallelujah, there's brothers and sisters that are looking out after you. Um, she went through uh, about uh, with cancer, and again, we're receiving love like no other from the church body. Um, we were back in Minnesota for the funeral of, I think, your mother, and we return, and our, our yard, the landscaping, was better than when we left. <laughs> I mean, who does that kind of stuff? Well, I know who does it and why they do it, and it's one of the, the great benefits of of being a part of a, of a group that's solid and uh, loves one another and you can gain encouragement from. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that we, uh, we kind of put on our outline was just how being in a, a small group has affected uh, people that are just totally outside the church. I mean, they, would, they just wouldn't come here. They would find no need to. Um, and I, I was... I was thinking in terms of story, and I, I was, uh, my mind immediately went to my good brother, Kevin Friesen. He, uh, he had a roof that needed to be redone, and we were talking about it, and it was like, man, they're going to charge me 1500 bucks to tear my old roof off. And, that, and I, it's no wonder they charge you. That's the most terrible job in the world. <laughs> I hate tearing off roofs, and I've done a lot of them. But I looked at him, and I said, well, Let's do it. Let's just do it. We'll get all those people at the ABF thing, and they'll, they'll, we'll get them out here. We'll just get them food or something. And they did. They showed up. And we went up there, and we pulled that roof off. And, and like I said, it's a horrible job. But we're up there, probably, I'm going to say, maybe 10, 15 of us. Would that be, yeah, yeah, in there? And we're having a great time at a terrible job. And, and I can only imagine what that must look like to somebody that's either in the neighborhood or driving by to look up on a roof and see a bunch of guys up there taking it off and having a great time. That just doesn't happen. And yet, that happens over and over again with us. And so, The other thing that <clears throat> was part of my, my last uh, tidbit there, benefit of serving, is your humbleness to be served, um, that is a, a difficult thing for so many people. They'll hunker down in isolation and uh, just pretend like, you know, we'll get through this and not allow other people to join in and get the pure joy of coming and serving you with their talent and their gifts, their resources, and... Uh, yeah, we could have been the same. If we would have known these people while we're away, we're going to do our, our yard. I'm picky about how I do things, but 
they did a better job. So I have to <laughs> humble myself in, in certain times of uh, need to allow people to do that, as well as my, my good brother Marty. He had a roof that had to get redone, and he decides that he's going to break his back and do it kind of on his own with a nephew and paid the price for it. And yeah, yeah. Well, I got it done, though. I mean, I... You did. You did a marvelous job. 360, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, another uh, benefit that really stems and comes out of um, small groups or definitely has come out of our, our ABF is the time we've spent talking about the gospel and what the gospel means about going out, spreading the good news, and uh, being a part of doing those kinds of things and, and doing it every day. You know, that's a whole different concept that I didn't get about taking this idea that um, be Jesus, show Jesus in everything and every place you go. And uh, so for, for a lot of people, that shows up in mission work. They go to Uganda, they go to points east, west, north, whatever, and they serve out there where other people won't serve. Um, some people, even in this church, you know, we've always had a, a, some kind of a VBS program or some kind of a, a Bible camp or something like that. People volunteer, stepping up for that kind of activity is, is huge. Um, I know that uh, Judy really is the kind of person in our family that drives the the, the bus on really getting out there and doing the outreach stuff and, and um, really is a force in the, the world of working with homeless. So we've gotten people within our, our ABF to uh, help out there. Um, yeah, so many opportunities. When you have the love of Christ and you know that your, your job is to go out there and spread that good news in whichever fashion and form that uh, you can do it in, um, that's what we do, and we're ambassadors of love no matter where we go. So that is a, a vital piece. Okay. Um, kind of wrapping this up, I wanted just to uh, tell a story, but first, I, uh, it was funny this week when I learned we were having communion, and I don't know why I do some of this stuff sometimes, but I, I, I got to wondering, communion, and this is what we've always called it as, as a, ever since I was a kid, we would refer to the bread and the wine as communion. I guess it's the Lord's table or the, the bread and the cup, whatever your tradition is. But I, I looked up the word communion, and, and I cross-referenced it to what the, the people that wrote our Bible, and they take, the, they take it from the Greek, and, and to English, what communion, what Greek word was that? And I, I didn't have any idea. But when I found out, I was really surprised. And I will, I'd be curious to know if you guys have heard this. I mean, if you're thinking I know New Testament Greek, no. <laughs> but when I looked at it, the word for communion in the Greek is koinonia. And you guys have probably heard that word. It's a, it's a word that has to do with a intensive of sharing and participation. It has to do with uh, fellowship. 
it, it's a word that's used to describe the fellowship of God that God wants to have with man and, and that. But most often, the word koinonia is used for brotherly or this fellowship that we have here in the, in the body. But it's supercharged by God's Holy Spirit that makes it possible. So it's a unique, unique form of fellowship that the world doesn't know. It's, 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 it's different because Jesus is in it. Um, I don't know why I do that. Um, uh, so I, I'm thinking about that, and I think about this experience here, and I, I, I got to admit to you, if I was listening, if I was where you are and listening to me, right now I would probably be thinking, okay, Mr. Church Speaker Man, with your Greek koinonia, you know what I see? I see the back of somebody's head. That's what I see. And yeah, that's how we do it so often. But we have to do better. It's, it's just, it's, it's becoming so much more laid on our hearts. The need to be face to face in hopes of being heart to heart. That's how we're supposed to know each other. Um, so, yeah, let's just stop with that right there. Um, I'm going to tell you guys a story, and then we'll hand you back to the paid professional over here. So, um, my story is something that happened in our, our class across the street. And it was, we're, we've been doing this gospel community stuff for, for a couple of years, and, and we're trying to go there. We're trying to learn this thing. We're trying to, we're trying to think this way and all this. And so there's about 30 of us plus over there. And um, this particular Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, our subject topic was speaking Jesus' gospel truth into another person's life that has needs in the context of communion. And so it would be like somebody if they have a need or a, an anxiety or a burden or anything like that, they're going to share their need, and then somebody that can relate to that need will take and get the bread and the cup and take it over to them and speak Jesus' Bible truth into their life and offer them the bread and the cup. That's pretty radical, but thought, yeah, that'll be good to talk about that. So um, Troy Hatton had the class that day, and Troy does a great job. He does a great job. And he addressed their class and kind of explained to them this whole thing, just like I did to you guys. And he had a box or a bag or something, and he pulled out some bread and put it on a table. And he pulled out a, a, a thing of some pretty crazy-looking grape stuff, and put it on the table, and then he looked at us and he said, you know what, we're done talking about this. We're going to do it. Do it. And he sat down. And I immediately, I mean, I immediately went into the panic mode. I just said, Troy, don't talk to you. 
this, that we're not ready for this. I mean, this could really go sideways in a hurry, and it's just going to make us all just never want to come back here again. And I am so glad that Troy didn't ask my opinion, and I'm so glad that he walks by faith, because what happened was we had about 15 seconds of silence or so, and then somebody just goes, you know what, um, my kids, they're not where, they're in a bad place, they're not in a good place right now, and man, it's just really weighing on my heart, and I'm, I'm struggling with this, and there's not really much I can do, I pray, but I just, man, I just carry this weight. And he got done saying that, and immediately, I mean just immediately, someone else from across the room got up, went and got that bread, got that wine, takes and takes it to him and says, you know what, I've been there. Um, I've been there. But I'm going to tell you something. God loves your kids so much more than you do. God knows where your kids are right now because he's there. He's hearing your prayers. He's working on their behalf because you care about them and are trusting him to work and do what you cannot do. Do not let this take away your joy. Stay joyful. Believe. Trust. He's so much greater than this situation. Took, and they took the bread and the cup. And I sat there watching this just going, this is incredible. I just, it was, it was overwhelming for me to just watch this because it just didn't stop with that. Then it went to another person and it just went around and, and that, was, that was our time together that morning. And uh, at the end, and we all took the bread and the cup together. And uh, I'll just tell you, from my personal experience, when, when, you, when you taste that and you're a part of that, now I have a definition for koinonia. It's koinonia. And once you have koinonia, anything less than that just, just doesn't seem quite right. But it, it takes a while. It takes a lot of work. It takes, it takes taking a risk that just seems like it could be a disaster. But, and maybe sometimes it just doesn't go good. I'm not saying they always go good. I'm just saying that my experience has been is it's, it's been worth the risk. It's been worth the time spent. And uh, thank you so much for letting us just share. Thank you.